Hello and welcome to the College of Lore. I'm your co-host Anthony. I'm your co-host Josh. Today we're going to be talking about just some basic tips on how to be a generally good, not sucky DM. Um, just to, you know, kick things off and talk about some tips that will help out people who want to run their own games. Uh, full disclosure though, um, not everyone like runs their game the same way and I don't want us me and Anthony to come across as this is the end all be all. This is no, you have to, to do it. it I, legally, you have to run your game this way. If you don't, I will come over to your house and play a game of Dungeons and Dragons with you because I'm lonely and I need friends. Um, so the first thing I think we should talk about is DM integrity. When you're running a game, it is like your responsibility to take care of all of these people who've decided to play a game with you. You're the guy. You're you're owning like. The rule book you're making up the game like if you go into a board game and you like p pull out the rules and like decide how play is going to work um that's you so there should be a certain level of integrity to it i think yeah. that um sometimes there's mystery in stories and you don't know what's going to happen next it's your job to kind of respect the curtain uh, even like when you're playing, there's a there's a curtain for a reason. You hide your rules. Um, it has all your notes behind that screen, that DM screen, and and you kind of want to respect that. I actually kind of see the DM as sort of the host of the party. Hmm. Um, you're kind of in charge of sort of babysitting your group, honestly, not to <laughs> you know poop all over them, uh, but you're the one who's basically going to be setting up the game. You're writing the story. You know they're gonna come over and you're gonna host it and they yeah. kind of expect you to provide it's like a it's the most like thankless job uh, <laughs> because you put so much time and love and they're like yeah man i wrote my character and then you're like well i wrote an entire world for you so um but in terms of that um it's important to like anthony said to maintain that dm integrity you don't want to reveal the man behind the curtain so yeah so what do you mean by that like what what things could you hide and what things could you reveal so there's a lot of things that dms do that aren't always as planned out as players want them to be you know sometimes you you were too busy that week and you couldn't write the next session or you were sick or you just weren't in the mood like you were lazy or you just had you know writer's block sometimes i mean who has every npc like planned exactly. and mapped out i know who the barber's son is you know you don't have i, mean, I write that in my story oh, well I'm a, I'm, all right i'm a genius okay. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it's it's important to know what your players should know and what they do when you in my opinion when you go into a dm game you don't want to uh, tell the players that you're unprepared mm. sort of like in a presentation you can't start it off by saying hey guys uh you know i had like a really busy week and you know i don't have a lot written that is the worst <laughs> thing you can do because it sets you up for failure sure. even if you didn't even if you weren't prepared you better act like you are prepared um so when you roll your rolls even if you're fudging them if you're uh, making up NPCs on the fly, if you're making up things that your players will enjoy. There are a lot of sessions where the best things are all improv. Um, okay. And players don't know, so don't reveal that it was improv. You know, Let them believe that you are this master formulator of plans and worlds. All right, because so on that same wanna... note, if, um, if I have like had an off week and I, I have nothing prepared and I'm not super confident in my ability to run a game, should I just run the game for my players or should I maybe ask everyone if, you know, let's take a week off and um, get back to it next time? What's more so, important? So, yeah, that the latter is certainly 
in my opinion, a possibility. Um, I wouldn't obviously suggest doing that frequently because sometimes your players will just forget, honestly, what they were doing unless they all write notes. Yeah, and they'll lose player agency or, or not agency, but they'll forget what they were doing because they're players and they're you know. Yeah, they have other. This is your them. baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if you aren't super confident and you do want to run the game, like if you do want to run that week because DM because DM Dungeons and Dragons is fun. Hell um, yeah. Go find a module or something that you wrote up previous, or encourage them to role play their characters. Let them get to know each other. Have social encounters that are easy to write. Okay. You know, let them get immersed in the ro- what you've already written. Like, let's say you've written a city. Um, let them go shopping. Let them roleplay each other. Let them have simple encounters with NPCs that don't matter that much. And then kind of go from there. If you're not super comfortable with improv, let's say you're new and you don't really know how to pull stuff out of the top of your head, um, then I would say maybe steal some modules or ideas from Reddit. Because <laughs> I do that all the time. Oh, yeah. So can, can you steal social encounters too? Yeah, um, there's a lot of things that I do to do that. All you got to do is really change some names, make it relevant to your location, your city, your mood, I guess. Um, and okay. just make sure it doesn't screw up the pacing of the game. Obviously, yeah, you know, if your pairs are about to fight some big bad dragon, you can't say, oh, go talk to these dwarves. They <laughs> need some help getting flowers from the river. Like that. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, every dwarf I've come across is uh, desperately in need of river flowers. Um, river flowers are a necessity right. and a commodity. Okay? <laughs> They're a luxury. The, Good. Forget that metal ore. Give me some flowers. Mm, give me them sweet, sweet petals. <laughs> so uh, we're trying to act like we know what we're doing when we're DMing. Um, what's what's one way that we can uh, maintain that pacing that you that you were talking about? There are a lot of things or tools that you can provide for yourself ahead of time to help with the improv to make the curtain stay closed. Um, I know what some people will do is they'll have a list of names that they'll use for NPCs that people come across that aren't okay. important, you know, and they'll just pull from the list to, you're, so you're not digging for notes when someone's like, oh, what's your name? And you're just like, a oh, shit. <laughs> I um, find it's good to cross those off as you go along. This way you don't, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Jameson, that's another Jameson. So what I'll do when I do that is I have my list and I'll cross, I won't cross off names, but I'll like underline them and then I'll write what kind of accent or what kind of race they are that I've used next to the name. And then after the game, like post session, I'll add that to my list of stuff. If they become invested in that character, um, you kind of have to as well as a good GM. It's generally Mm -hmm. good to have plot hooks and then you have potential hooks. So when someone gets invested in something, you got to be invested with them because they're your players and you love them and they're your little children. <laughs> so, you know, if you have that random barber who's struggling and they're like, oh, we got to go on this thing to save this guy. Well, I guess that's what they're doing. So you got to help them out. I see. Okay. So in that, in that way, you're, you're kind of catering the story to your players and, and like working together, writing a story together. You know, you, you have the world, they have the, uh, they're going down a path in the many roads that you've created and then you're step-by-step laying down bricks and tiles for them to walk on as they as they go along yeah not every game master does that i think it's important to note that railroads to some extent are helpful and useful if you have a main arc you should have railroads but you should hide them with side plots and Mm. multiple paths so you may have a railroad that you want the players to ride but you give them three or four different ways to get there. And Here's... this guy might not might lead back into it, you know? Um, 
He also might just be a fun side quest for character development. So eventually they'll go back to the railroad. You know, it's very easy yeah. to get players to get latched onto things. And if you know your players, you can cater to that and then get them go to go where you uh, want them true. to go. That's why yeah. having a backstory is so good because you can like use that to kind of rein in your players, pull them left or right. Uh, you see a beggar on the side of the street. Oh, my character used to be a beggar on the side of the street, too. He's going to, like, go in there, and then the beggar's like, uh, so happy that you gave me money. You know, the last guy that rolled through town didn't give me anything. He was this rich noble. And then the party's like, and then that rich noble leads back to your original story. So a railroad yeah. is, like, kind of you forcing your players to go down the story that you've written previously. Um, a really good example of a railroad would be, like, uh, you're fighting, and then you know you beat these these bad guys, and then suddenly the the town's guards show up, and there's there's a hundred of them, uh, and then they they throw uh, smoke grenades, and then um, a wizard casts sleep on you, and it's it's like super high level, and you pass out, you wake up in prison, like forcing your players really hard down to to do that one prison arc that you want them to do. Do you think that that is okay sometimes, or is that like a no go for dungeon masters to? give them solid railroads i mean i've done it um was it the best thing to do uh it kind of made my players a little upset uh i think a better way to do it if i wanted to have them have a prison arc would be to there's something in the prison that you want to you have to break in and then break out of the prison mm. uh there's something that you want that your players want maybe that would have been cooler or have them individually get captured have them uh be able to escape uh for a session or two but then eventually uh get there like, okay, you escape. Great. Half your party is yeah. in prison. What do you do? Hmm. Now, I personally believe that it's it's basically up to your players, whether it's cool or not. Some players are super simple, just want to ride the railroads all the way to the end. Yeah. And some people, like your party, you know, they want a little more player agency at all times. So you kind of just have to talk with your players, honestly. Figure out what they're looking for, because um, not every group is the same. Very true. There's a lot of different types of groups, a lot of different types of games. There's, uh, like, West Marches games where... Okay, that's kind of like a Kingmaker that we played together, where you start yeah. out at one point and your job is to explore this vast land. And then there's different interesting encounters in each hex or tile that that they go through, and different ways to advance in terms of roleplay, in terms of uh, leveling, secret items, and and different things that are interesting as they as they explore the lands. There's um, your straight up and down, good versus evil. You know, you start out as a group together, and then you're in the town, and then you find uh, plot hooks, and then there's some evil thing at the end of the road. Yeah, and the Lord of the Rings there. epic. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I thought, well, you know what we should do? We should do a, a, a podcast episode for statting out every character in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I think that'd be interesting. I've be I've been watching Lord of the Rings a lot recently. <laughs> I actually haven't. I haven't, uh, actually haven't watched Lord of the Rings in quite some time. Um, but... In regards to, you know, characters and set them out, actually, the, so when you're catering your, sort of your characters, yeah, mm -hmm. it actually encourages a role play. It immerses them into the world because it feels like they matter. Uh, I think that's also a really important fact of being a good DM. You need to make the decisions of your players seem like they matter. Even if they don't, even if you have it all statted out, if you know the plans of what's going to happen, you need to make their decisions feel like they matter because that sort of builds the bond between player and DM um, the trust, I guess you could say, so to speak, um, because when you when you change the world around them based on what they want or what they do, it makes them feel like heroes or important. Because let's be real, these players are the main characters of the story that you're writing. 
Right. So do you mean like decisions that they make in terms of how they build the character or decisions that they make in the game roleplay wise? Well, backstory wise, um, I think depending on the player and the character and the DM and how much the DM is willing to sway, I think that should affect how people treat the character. But in the game, when a character roleplays, their decision should ultimately affect the path that they go down, um, how people will treat them in the long run, and how, you know, um, how the world changes around them. Obviously, in the beginning, they will have less influence, but as they get stronger and grow and their level increases, they'll have more influence because they'll be stronger people. And I think that it's important as a DM to reflect that. You don't want to be seen as a commoner when you're a level 13 paladin. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> you know? Um, you've got a $4,000 greatsword. Like, people are going to notice that. Unless uh, you also have a, a 4,000 GP uh, cloak of hiding to hide In your greatsword. In which case, <laughs> people will notice that you aren't there at all. And then, you know... <laughs> <laughs> ah this giant I, I hear steps i hear armor clanking and something's pushing me out of the way <laughs> but on that regard um that sort of goes into the fact that the game is not a dm versus the player type deal it is okay. a team game yeah. it's collaborative really the dm posts set challenges and the players overcome them or try to overcome them most of the time overcome them you watch critical role i do watch critical role one of the things I love so much is that when one of uh, the dungeon master, Matthew Mercer, when one of his encounters gets like completely crushed by like one or two actions of a player that like it shouldn't have been that hard or shouldn't have been that easy and it should have been way harder, he, uh, he l- loves it so much. He's like, man, that's really awesome. I was so happy. Maybe he's like faking it, but at the same time, he's like encourages their successes. Yeah, I think that's really important to encourage your players. Um, not every encounter should be that easy, obviously. There right. should be encounters that are more important and have heavier weight. But when your encounter gets crushed, you should see that as an opportunity to make your players happy. You know, With every buildup, there needs to be a tension release. And that it's can be a, one of those moments. It's a game, moments. right? You're trying exactly. to make sure everyone's happy. Yeah. A lot of DMs that, I know, or that I've seen get annoyed when they're characters or encounters get absolutely annihilated by smart character play uh, because they see it as like a game of chess where you're like trying to outsmart your other players and then sometimes that's true you know you want to present them with challenges but sure. you want them to overcome you don't want to kill your party that doesn't make any sense why would uh, you want that you know yeah unless you really want to run another game all right rocks while everyone dies we're playing star wars <laughs> um what do you feel about catering to specific players in the party because everyone excels in different regards so how would you go about you know, making everyone feel quote-unquote special? Um, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at their backstory. I'm going to see what plot hooks they've left for me in their backstory and different ways that I can kind of pull the reins one way or the other and kind of show them, like, look, um, I'm looking out for you. The second way would be I'd look at how they're building their character as their character progresses, and I'd look at certain things like, oh, they took um, lockpicking. Uh, this, this fighter took lockpicking. He's got, like, high decks. And he's, he's going to want some locks to open. So when he gets the chance to open that lock, he's like, yes, I, I took a bet. I, like, gambled on this. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe there's going to be lock picking in the future. I took lock picking. There's a lock. I opened it. I feel great. Um, any type of skill or, or thing that they take, if it's story-related or if it's personal to them or just making them not feel useless, like, yeah. okay, I, I chose my character not to 
be magical at all. And, you know, there's this one thing that magic couldn't solve, but my character could solve. I don't yeah. think I have a good example of that, but maybe, like, um, uh, magic. Let's say, you know, there's a room with a lock, and yeah. the entire room has been shut, uh, has a um, dispel magic on it or something. Sure. Yeah. I think that's or it's really at important. the end of, like, a long tunnel, and everyone has used all their spells for the day, and, you know the uh the bard forgot the knock spell uh or already used it um in that regard and, and couldn't get past the door the fighter that took lockpicking in this example yeah. is the only one who could do it. yeah adapting to your players i think is really important um a lot of different groups will have different players so sometimes you'll get that guy that min maxes or okay. you know builds his character to be really strong and optimized and then the characters that are built for role play more so than their optimization will sometimes get left behind and i think it's a dm's job to encourage both forms of role play you can't sure. or both forms of character creation you shouldn't punish someone for wanting to have a good character and you shouldn't punish someone for wanting to make their character realistic uh so you should encourage both you know give encounters that will let the fighter annihilate everything make him feel good and then <laughs> yeah. give encounters that would benefit the guy who roleplayed the guy who isn't so good in super encounters but he's maybe good in social encounters or puzzle solving give each player i think their time to shine and they'll all love you for it because uh, yeah. you know not everyone needs attention 24 7 they just need to feel like they're important i'm thinking back to a couple games that i've played in and when the dungeon master kind of like looks to your character and and points you out and says all right it's it's your what do you do you know and the situation like it's it's your time here you go here's the ball i'm handing it to you what do you do feels scary but also uh feels very yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure yeah. <laughs> you know? but at the same time it's like even if you fail you can take that as an opportunity to help your character grow as a person yeah. to learn from it yeah and also it still feels kind of good uh, because the DM was thinking about you. They gave you an opportunity. You know what I mean? Instead sure. of just getting left in the dust where everything is just giant, you know, rock monsters and you shoot arrows okay. all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, they have shields. The, the your arrows don't go through the... Oh, all right. oh, they're all in murder holes and you can't do anything. <laughs> ah, like, that feels bad after, you know, a million <laughs> sessions and you're just sitting there. I, especially if you're not even specced for... Uh, like social encounters or magic. You just spec for sure. combat, and then yeah. DM just unintentionally or intentionally shuts down uh, mm -hmm. your combat ability. I actually think that that is a bad trait of a DM. If they sure. shut you down completely, um, the DM should be creative enough and think, you know, enough, think around it enough to make it so that it works for all party members. I mean, because let's be real, in a if the DM sees it as a player versus character story, I mean, not sorry, not a player versus character. A uh, a player versus DM story. The DM will always win. They have yeah. an arsenal of an infinite possibility. They will always win. <laughs> you're that you're God. You can, you can do, do anything. Yeah, you are God. You know. Um, so, but if you see it as a team effort, then you can give your players time to shine, and everyone will have more fun for it. Here's an idea. Players succeed, and that's always good. You're starting off the story. It's the very beginning. You're trying to build a world for your players. But there's the barbarian, okay? And he doesn't have any charisma. He doesn't have any want to, to roleplay or whatever. He just wants to smash stuff real good. Uh, have have a bunch of bandits come come through town, you know? It, that'll, that'll not only build your world as they run through the streets uh, away from your character, but it'll also give your, your fighty guy a chance to do some fighty. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then you can also build off of that for everyone else later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he gets to fight things and they get to figure out why the bandits were attacking the town in such, you know, big forces. So everyone wins. And then you get to see your children grow because they're your children. And then you grow and then everyone's happy. And then everyone gets to celebrate and have a party. Like a beautiful garden. We all grow together. Yeah. It's like those beautiful <laughs> river, river petals. Mm, beautiful <laughs> river flowers. Uh, so in terms of those like encounters um, that you're kind of making for your party, please dungeon masters plan your encounters please like know the stats of your monsters the amount of time it takes to like look up a werewolf and and figure out if he can jump 50 feet into the air on top of a building (laughs) that just takes way too long i don't know why i brought that one up but (laughs) (laughs) it's just been on my mind recently i don't know why Uh, yeah yeah don't don't look up rules you know if if you're uh session takes place in in a city and they're running around you want to make sure that i mean knowing exactly which alley they they turn down and and the name of the street maybe not as important as understanding that your players can go up around and down through the city in this three-dimensional space that you've created um rather easily whereas in like a forest maybe or like plains they can't go down but they still can go up in the trees and stuff like that so think about climbing think about um rivers if there's going to be any swimming that they're going to have to do or they jump into the sewer you know think about any type of checks that they'd have to make uh environment wise and then also for the creature that you're creating know its stats know that the creature that you're presenting to your party is an appropriate level uh for them and appropriate challenge to where you know they all stand around it they all corner it it's one big thing and they all hit it until it dies versus um you want maybe a more challenging encounter there's a bunch of goblins and murder holes and you know maybe they just have to escape instead of kill them yeah i also think it's really important to cater somewhat to your players if you guys didn't notice that there's a reoccurring pattern with dm to player uh cater to your players <laughs> um some encounters you know the the cr level or the challenge rating level that D provides or most games provides is a guideline and not a hard number um, generally players who expect for certain things will be better at those encounters as opposed to other things. <gasps> who would have guessed? So plan your encounters accordingly to what you think your party needs to be challenged with or doesn't need to be challenged with. You know, it also depends on what your encounter is for. Not every encounter is designed to be just a smash it until it dies. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you need to talk it out. Sometimes the encounter is meant to set the mood. Um, yeah. Encounters that are incredibly easy may be there to set up your party to make them feel powerful and strong only so that you can show them how strong something else is later down the road to you know set them in their place Absolutely. or they might be really strong so that you can um, set the mood that the place that they're in is perilous and unforgiving so right. make sure your encounters have a purpose behind them other than hey guys here's an encounter to take us some time fight these things do that stuff get that loot move on because yeah. you want your encounters to be impactful, um, or at least somewhat impactful, depending on you know where they are. Yeah, but again, mem- memorable. Yeah, um, but you obviously don't want them all to be exactly the same in memory. You know, sure. the big B E B E G one. You want to build up the suspense, so you might use an encounter beforehand uh, to really uh, rise the tension, and then when you actually face the B B E G, 
it won't be just that encounter with him that made it memorable, but the entire mood that you set prior. So encounters can be a really strong way, encounter or, I mean, combat or non-combat to really amp up the tension so that your players feel it more. Yeah, here's an example. Maybe like uh, your players show up to a city, they roll up, uh, they're learning about it. Uh, they find out that there's a folk hero. Folk hero is like this super strong looking guy. He's got golden armor and everything else like that. And uh, the the rumored big bad evil guy is happens to stroll into town. The folk hero challenges to him to a fight, and then the big bad evil guy just like instantly kills him. Uh, it's, it's not even you know a clear victory. He does it, and then he leaves, leaving some type of cryptic message. And if you've done it correctly, if you've uh, built it up correctly, if the the characters have gotten attached to this folk hero, and then he dies, that's a plot hook. Yeah, especially if they know how strong he is, because then yeah. they know, oh, snap, this guy is way <laughs> beyond us, because the folk hero was way beyond us. Right. And it's yeah. not like, like, don't don't kill one of your players to prove a point, <laughs> unless that's something that they've discussed with you beforehand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also establish that sometimes your players can run away. A lot of groups don't think that they can run oh, yeah. away from fights. Easy. Um, but, you know, they can run, and so can bad guys, you know? Uh, goblins don't want to fight really to the death. They want to preserve their own life, even though they are idiots. You know? yeah. Not everything fights to the death. So uh, Encounters are a lot more dynamic. D&D generally likes to make them very black and white. Like, this is a combat encounter. This is a sure. non-combat encounter. You fight yeah. it or you don't. But there's a lot more breadth to it once you get in-depth with encounters and what they can do for you, because they are just as strong a writing tool, I guess you could say. Um as a plot hook or a story arc or a player backstory i i think that it's an it's sort of an underutilized tool if you know what i mean um because people just use it for fights and xp combat encounters yeah or yeah even for social sure. encounters yeah i mean the goal should be clear when you're when you're writing these encounters like you have a clear idea about what your players need and want from you in order to make their story good so if um if you you've built a character that's really good at avoiding damage then and they want to use that maybe the goal for an encounter is to run away like you said um there's some other goals like surviving uh running out grabbing an item and then running back um returning to a place guarding a group of people i mean possibilities are endless yeah and each of these types of encounters can be used to encourage a sort of mood or form that you want to tell the players um yeah yeah they're all signs and signals you know is this oh, a but riddle? that should be clear are the enemies clever are they brutes what are you facing basically and i think that that isn't something that a lot of gms think about but they should How uh, can every you... encounter should be as significant as the writing arc or the time that you put into building a city how can you make that uh clear to your players um i think depending on the encounter making it clear if you want them to run like you said giving them a point of perspective let's say the players really want to fight the b the big bad guy but then the big bad guy crushes the folk hero obviously that's a sign for your players to run um if you want them if to, they're smart <laughs> yeah but i feel even if they were to fight it it's fair game because you give clear signals sure yeah that your players yeah. are being overpowered 
if you <laughs> I mean, want your players to fight, you know, you put them in a position of time necessity or a dire need to save someone or something that's important, you know, so they have to stay around. Um, if you want them to be scared, put them in a, in a situation that makes them uncomfortable. Don't tell them what they're fighting, you know, uh, don't give mm -hmm. them what put them out of their comfort zone. Maybe several encounters in, they're really comfortable. They're killing everything super easy. And then mm -hmm. they fight something that they are not built to fight. Yeah. Like you know? ghosts and none of their weapons hit ghosts. Yeah. I actually ran an encounter, <laughs> for example, um, once where my party was in the woods. You were actually in this game. My party's in the woods and the thing that they fought had really long arms and it would just climb tree branches, hide in the trees oh, and dart down and, and, and basically scratch you up, stab you, bite you, and then go back up into the trees. And I think I... you guys had one ranger. Oh, God. Uh, so it was really hard to fight. One ranged weapon. Yeah, one ranged weapon, because everyone was spec'd for super Big melee sword, combat. Melee. So they got, like, a swing at it, and then it would go back up, and then it would reposition. And it was, like... And it was also nighttime, because everyone decided to travel in the dark. So it was spooky. Like, it set the mood for the woods, because it was scary as fuck, because they couldn't find it, and they didn't know what they were fighting. And then um, we found out that there was, like, nests of them, and there were more. Like, we had that much trouble with one, and then there's, like, yeah, so a whole bunch of was... them this that encounter set them in for, hey, this area is scary. And dangerous. You should either prepare for it or don't go into it. And yeah. I think you guys decided to go around it. We got a clear message from that. Yeah. And that was one encounter. It wasn't, you know, um, it was a fight. It was a combat encounter, but it set the mood for the rest of the woods. Yeah. Uh, for what people would fight. So in that regard, you know, it really, I guess, spoke to you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it did. It, no, yeah. I still have gamer PTSD from that. It's a great encounter. I love my encounters. <laughs> it's a very good encounter. Um, if I get off your dick for a second, if we could talk about plot hooks, they should also be very clear. Like, clear, like, okay, so we have DM integrity. You're not supposed to reveal what's behind the curtain, but the clues and hints that you drop in terms of encounters that you're creating and plot hooks and the story that you're telling, it should be clear, I guess, that they exist and that they're there, but not so clear about the information they're trying to convey. Like, the theme should be there. This is a dangerous place. But, like, oh, you see uh, a, a monster. Like, what was the name of that stick monster thing? Like, we don't even know what the name of it was. You yeah, told I, us... I never tell you guys the name of your, the creatures. Right. I think you I told you us... out of character. Uh, I don't recall. But I what I do recall up. was the, the emotion that that creature conveys, but not its stats. Like, I don't know, it's a thing with stick arms, branchy boy, that has a climb speed of three. Branchy like, boy. That's what I, I call like them. that. That's what he's called. <laughs> branchy boy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a CR6 encounter. It's a CR6 branchy boy. <laughs> uh, pray you do not fight the CR7 branchy boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would yeah. agree with you, though. I think plot hooks should be clear. I don't think that they always have to be vague. Sometimes they can just be in your face. Some guy walks up. It depends, again, on your players, because sometimes they need that slap on the face. Hey, this is where you should go. Go here, yeah. maybe, potentially. Um, in, in, in addition to what you were saying, though, I also think that it's important to be open to new plot hooks that you have not written. Earlier, mm -hmm. I spoke about, you know, how sometimes players get attached to unnecessary things. So okay. you can use that. And then when your players go follow that path, and do that thing they're like wow how did you know i would do this you're a genius and then you get to say i know everything <laughs> uh, and you can use that to your advantage you know because yeah. everyone in the world that you have technically should have plans goals 
problems. Fears. Fears, exactly. So if you can elaborate on those more than you had planned, this is kind of an improv thing, but you know, over time you'll get good at it. Um, you can expand your world and make it seem more real, and that increases the immersion, which is really the ultimate goal of the DM is to have yeah. amazing immersion. <laughs> yeah, I remember I used to start every session. All right, immerse me. I've got my eyes closed. Immerse me. Immersion. Well, I don't have a grab. A gra- I don't have a uh, what's it? A salt pool to like put you in. Like, oh yeah, give me a deprivation <laughs> chamber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god, how to gaslight your players? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not expensive to do. Like to go into one of those chambers. Uh... I think if you own a facility, you'd probably charge a pretty hefty premium to get in. But I think if you were to set up your own bathtub as a deprivation chamber, you could do it with enough salt and water. You could um, do it. That was in yeah. uh, Stranger Things, wasn't it? Yeah, they, made... they did it in the gym with a little blow yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, they, right. We're not sponsored by Stranger Things, by no, the way. No, but Netflix, get so, at us. Um, then, you know what? <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> Calls on Netflix. Anyway... Um, yeah, so plot hooks, they oh, wait, hang are... On. Hang on, my phone's ringing. Hi, Jim Netflix? Is that... Yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> no, just running a podcast right now. A sponsorship? Yeah, sure, I'll think about it. Okay, send Our the paperwork my way. Busy, so. it, it's a little busy, but... Our people will contact your people. <laughs> okay. All right, great talk. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. No, you're the best. Ah, uh, Jim Netflix. What a guy. Uh, first name basis. <laughs> but plot hooks should be used like any other tool to the guide your crumbs. players to your ultimate... Yeah, they're breadcrumbs. Um, That's not the whole loaf. goal, really. Okay, real quick, uh, if I can go back to, I guess, that, that, you know, your players can get attached to things. Sometimes your players don't get attached to things. Sometimes you're like, hey, here's this wacky NPC I just created with a funny voice and a crazy backstory, and he definitely needs your help. And the players can just be like, nah, we're good, and walk away. If they do, let them walk away. They'll get attached to, like, this 12-year-old kid that you that just happen to play, be playing stickball with his friends, and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, that character, all right, suddenly, now I have to think of this character's thoughts, fears, wants, needs, and everything else that um, can can push this character along in terms of how my players are going to interact with him. But, you know, if they don't latch on to every little thing, that's fine. Yeah. Let it go. Some of the stuff that you put a lot of time to is going to get ignored. You're going to have to get used to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've had giant encounters destroyed in, like, minutes because they decided to just walk away and not do it. And I was like, oh, sure. yeah. all right. And, you know, you kind of just have to... It's actually not that bad um, because encounters like that that they don't deal with, you can just put those in your pocket for later. Yeah, you recycle them. Yeah, you can recycle them, reskin them, and they'll never know because they never they never encountered it. Yeah, um, that social encounter, though, with that one wacky NPC that has a funny voice that you want everyone to latch on to and think is the coolest thing ever, sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and that kind of comes with knowing your players and knowing what they like Yeah, and using that to your advantage. Yeah, I have a player who hates spiders. Okay. Uh, I made a dragon that was made of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, use it as you will. Abuse I like how it how you said like. I have a player and not a friend because he's no longer your friend after that dragon spider thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, he died. He's dead. Yeah, oh, he's well. He's dead to spiders. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not actually dead, guys. He's okay. still my friend. We're, yeah. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he's fine. 
He's fine. Legally, as I say, he's fine. But don't um, get into the habit of forcing things on your players too hard. If yeah. something is important, what I like to do is something is really important that you need to have to come across that the players just flat out ignore. If they're ignoring everything, make them pay for that with consequences. If they want to ignore the guy who pleads for help because his city is under attack, when they come across that city, the city is destroyed. Um, if your players want to rob and steal everything, make guard come after them. There are consequences. The world is a living, breathing vessel. If they kill that guard, then now there's more guards after them. Exactly, because the guard was a hydra. What? What? And it has two heads now. Oh yeah, <laughs> they they, they, they come from the uh, the plane of cops, and then they just like <laughs> they, they open up a rift, and then they all just come out. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a joke about the plane of cops. If if your if your NPCs all start to look alike your players are going to start thinking that the town is full of chimeras or uh, uh, elemental rift to the plane of cops. So that makes sense. Make sure that everything's like a little little different, a little flavor. Uh, take some aspect and tune it to 11, tune it to 7, you know, just kind of mix and match things and, and make it so that your world is a living, breathing thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you... These aren't all the tools used to be a good DM, but it'll get you started. So basically, you don't want to tell your player your secrets. Uh, half okay, of being yeah. a good DM is being a good secret keeper. Ooh, that reveal when you hold it. Ooh, oh. reveal. Also, you know, I've learned as a DM is you should relish in your player's want to know. The yeah. more they want to know, <laughs> the more invested they are, and you should use that. So don't tell them. Let yeah. them relish in it, you know? Yeah, let, let them, them ask questions. Let them look at the cake, but don't let them eat it. Yeah. Uh, and the cake is like behind some opaque glass and they can't even tell if it's a cake exactly. or it's a bomb. It's just the silhouette <laughs> of a cake. <laughs> they don't the even know what, it, what flavor it is. If you do that and you encourage your good role play and you play like you're part of the team, then most of the time, no guarantees, small fine print <laughs> disclosure. Hopefully. Your players will enjoy the game and so will you. <laughs> Oh man, you're talking about relishing in your player's lack of knowledge. My favorite phrase to say to my group, like my brother still brings it up sometimes from the game that we used to play that I ran, and he's like, you don't know. Right, Anthony? That's the thing. You don't know. Yeah, because I would say that all the time. People would be like, uh, so is this guy um, related? To... And like, well, he looks similar, but uh, you don't know. <laughs> what's you what's your ask. favorite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> Try asking. Yeah. Can Use I punch through this wall? You don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that, no, I love doing that to my players. Hard to say. Hmm. You but, know. um, yeah, I think that about covers it. I think that's about the yeah. end of the lesson. Bell's about to ring. Yeah, I mean, uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can um, go ahead and, and send a magic letter to us. By owl. By owl, yes. Or by email. Uh, yeah, also by email. <laughs> uh, all that information should be at the description of the bottom. And uh, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Oh, class Whoa. is missed.